0: Good morning, Blackman Baptist Church. Good morning. Uh, I have Anna here with me. We're uh, we are live streaming from 390 Brinkley, so this is not my in my natural state. Um, I'm going to try and get used to it as we go here. I'm excited to be talking to you, though, because like Kevin was saying, we reached out to uh, we tried to reach out to everybody, and I think we we succeeded or nearly so. And so far. It seems that our body's doing well through this. We we don't have any reports of of illness or even even major employment disruption so far. Some of the folks even even are having more and more busyness because of this. So um, we can praise the Lord for that. And I I want to just take a moment to, to open us with a word of prayer. I'll I'll pray here in a minute and um, and get started. We're going to be, again, looking into Luke, uh, similar to what we did for Sunday school, and uh, the same passage, anyway. So uh, I would welcome you to, to pray along and listen along with us. Father, we, we thank you. We thank you for all of the opportunities that you give us, Father, and even in this time of, of trial with this disease floating around, Father, the, the challenge for us is to trust you and, and to believe your promise to believe your intention for good. And Father, we, we know that you do have those intentions and we believe your promises. We love you, Father. And we pray for, for your strength to be faithful. We pay, pray for, for faith to be strong. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to be in Luke this morning. Um, looking at the, the passage that describes the, the dedication of Jesus at the temple. The baby Jesus. Um the, uh, I, w- I wanted to kind of start off by talking a little bit about a name because because they they had to name Jesus and we have uh, I brought I brought with me today this this baby name book uh, this is an old one this is one that we we've used in our in our home uh, about three times actually uh, and there's two ways you can use a book like this you can use it in earnest because you have a need. Or you can use it for fun to just look around. Um, I'm sure that some of you may have copies of, of books like this, maybe even a little more well-worn than, than ours. But uh, why do we like these? Why do we like these books? Why, why are these interesting to us? Well, the truth is that names are important. They mean something. They, they often express a hope of what our children will be like. Um, and as to the fulfillment of what a name might mean, well, most of us parents aren't prophets. So sometimes the names fit really well, and sometimes they don't. Um, I took a few minutes just for fun, keep it light for a few minutes this morning. I, I looked up some, some uh, meanings of names of people in our body. I started with people in my house to begin with. Uh, Rachel, our oldest, we named her Rachel. The, Rachel actually means lamb. And like we see so many in so many Hebrew names with that El on the end, uh, it, it implies something to do with God. So it's like God's lamb. Um, Sarah means princess. Anna means graceful or gracious. I looked up uh, I looked up Zachary, and um, I don't know if Zach if you're on right now. And I, I know it's probably been a nutty week for you, and it's probably going to continue to be. Uh, this coming week, Zachary means Jehovah has remembered. What a name! That's a that's a good one. Katie, Katie means pure one. I looked up uh, Brad and Heather, and these names go together. It's really cool. Brad means from the broad meadow, and Heather means a heather flower. So it's just I think Brad and Heather were just meant to be. It just works. I looked up Paxton because I thought, what a cool name, And I don't know too many people named Paxton. But it means peacetown. What a cool name. Patrick, noble one. Daniel, God is my judge. Weston means from the west or west estate. Timothy means honoring God. Amanda, worthy of love, esteemed, or lovable. Kevin means gentle or lovable, and Kenneth, finally, I looked at mine, of course I already knew it, it means handsome. Now, since we're on a live video, you can judge for yourself how well that worked out. Um, Maybe I have a face for radio, (laughs) I'm not sure. But as I said, with names and the prophecies and the meanings, your mileage may vary, Uh, we're not prophets, but today's passage, we're going to be looking closely at Jesus' name and what that means. Because God's names always mean something. They always mean something significant. And it couldn't be more true in this case. So let me me briefly pause and and pray again before we read our focal passage. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for these passages from Luke. Thank you for the names. Thank you for the name of Jesus that that teaches us about salvation. Father, that promises salvation to us. And Father, I pray that we will honor that name more and more always. Father, be with us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so our focal passage today is from Luke 2, and we're going to be in twenty verses 21 through 38, same as in Sunday school this morning. Um, I'm just going to go ahead and read, read the passage here. Hear the word of the Lord. When the eight days were completed... For his circumcision, he was named Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived. And when the days of their purification, according to the law of Moses, were finished, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. Just as it, it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male will be dedicated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what is stated in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. There was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, You have prepared it in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and glory to your people Israel. His father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and told his mother Mary, Indeed, this child is destined to cause the fall and rise of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be opposed, and a sword will pierce your own soul, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. There was also a prophetess, Anna, a daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was well along in years, having lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and was a widow for 84 years. She did not leave the temple, serving God night and day with fasting and prayers. At that very moment, she came up and began to thank God and to speak about him to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So I think that the... uh, the remarks today might be a little bit more brief than typical. I have a brief outline I want to share with you uh, quickly. Item number one Jesus is dedicated to save and chosen to rescue. Two, Jesus came to turn the world upside down. And three, our job, our job in response, is to praise God and tell others. So as we look at this passage, the first thing we see here is that Mary and Joseph were faithfully following the law of Moses. Very interesting. And four times this is emphasized. Uh, The author here, Luke, is is really clear on this. In just these few verses, from 21 through 27, he uses four verses to emphasize the following of the law. Verse, Verse 22 says, according to the law. Verse 23, as it is written in the law of the Lord. Verse 24, according to what is stated in the law. And verse 27, customary under the law. Um, so we see uh, the emphasis here on following the law. Joseph and Mary were faithful and obedient Jews. They, they cared about the law. Uh, God had given this baby through a miracle, an actual miracle, a virgin birth. It was announced by an angel. Now this is special. This is unique. But you know what? Joseph and Mary weren't too proud to follow the law that had been written. For a thousand years, they weren't weren't too proud to follow what had been written, the same path that every Jewish family had since Moses. God had given them the law, and they were following it. Mary and Joseph were also also faithfully following the instruction of the angel. The instruction was to name the baby Jesus, which is the Greek form of Joshua. It means God rescues or God saves. And Matthew Matthew 121 tells us that the angel Joseph in a dream, the angel told Joseph in a dream to name the baby Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. So so the angel tied the meaning together there. That's what that's why that was important. Just as we see with our baby names, this is a significant name. God is expressing his purpose through this name. Unlike our names, which represent our hopes or dreams for our children. God's name expresses his perfect plan. Jesus was named God saves, not as a wish or some kind of happy thought. Jesus is God come to earth, taking on flesh. His purpose in coming is to rescue us from our sins, to save us from evil, our own evil and Satan's. So his name has a purpose. Now, as we look through the passage a little bit more, Simeon, we see, was righteous and devout. He was filled with faith, and he was looking forward to Israel's consolation. What what are we talking about a consolation? What, why did Israel need to be consoled? Well, Israel was occupied by Rome. Israel had been in exile, now returned, but now was was not uh, really a free country. They were under the, the authority of another country. So from from a political point of view, they, they really felt like they needed consolation. Uh, but Jesus' purpose was actually much bigger than that, wasn't it? We also see in this passage that Simeon was filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, that's interesting because before the Spirit comes at Pentecost, uh, God is very selective about who he brings and who he gives the Spirit to. But Simeon was one. And God sent his Spirit to Simeon. And Simeon had been promised by the Spirit that he would get to see the Messiah with his own eyes. Now, that's a remarkable promise. We... We see Mary and Joseph, they're trusting in God's written word and they're trusting an angel. And then we see Simeon, who's trusting God's written word and trusting the spirit. Do you see the the cooperation, the collaboration between the written word and the activity of God himself in in the lives of people? They go together and they never contradict. If if ever you, you think you have a contradiction, you can trust what's written. Because we have the record that God has written for us. So God God had promised through scriptures that this Messiah would come. And he promised Simeon directly that Simeon would get to see it. Simeon didn't need to see everything that the Messiah would do. He believed the promise. Hebrews talks about this. The the looking forward and the the believing in the promise without being able to see with your own eyes the realization of it. But imagine... The feeling that Simeon had that day. His whole life, he served in the temple. He's read the prophets and the promises of the Messiah to come. And God has sent his Holy Spirit to Simeon to promise him he'd actually get to see it. And one day, according to our passage here, the Spirit moved Simeon to go to the temple. And what happened? A young couple came in with a baby. And this couple has come in to do what many, many couples have come in before. To fulfill this normal rite of circumcision and dedication and payment for the redemption of the firstborn. This is not unusual in what they're doing. But the Spirit tells them, Simeon, this is the one. Wow. So Simeon gets to hold the Messiah. What does the text say? That, that Simeon uh, was guided by the Spirit to enter the temple. He took the baby in his arms, and praise God. Imagine, he gets to hold him aside. In his old arms, he is now holding what the Old Testament promised, the eternal son of David, the prophet that was prophesied by Moses, the servant that was prophesied by Isaiah, the son of man that was prophesied by Daniel. All these voices, all these prophets that Simeon has studied his whole life. And now he's holding in his arms the baby that fulfills it. He's holding the Son of God, and he knows it. Remarkable. So what do we see from this passage? There's many things we see. We see that Jesus' name, though, describes his purpose. Jesus was dedicated to save. He was chosen to rescue. When you say the words Jesus Christ, you are saying a lot of theology in two words. Jesus literally means God saves. And Christ is just the Greek form, the same word as Messiah, the the Hebrew word for anointed or chosen or dedicated. So when we say Jesus Christ, we are referring to this man, Jesus, who was born in Bethlehem and raised in Nazareth. But what we're saying about this man is that he is God's chosen one, God's Messiah, with the purpose of bringing salvation to the world, this man with this name has come with an identity. He is God. He said himself, before Abraham was, I am. That's what Jesus said from his own mouth. And he came with a purpose, to save. So like Simeon, our our response to this Messiah should be praise. We should celebrate that this one has come. And so I ask you today, do you celebrate this salvation? Are you worried? Are you anxious? We're all human. And like Kevin was saying a few minutes ago, we are subject to fear. The fear of death is a real thing. Death is an enemy. And it it makes sense to be afraid of it. But here's the thing. We don't have to be afraid of it because we have a greater champion. Jesus is our champion. We live in a world that's cursed by sin, and disease is part of that curse. Jesus came to take on flesh. He came to take on the weakness that we have, to be one of us, to experience our weakness. And he did experience the weakness all the way to death. And when Jesus lived his perfect life and died willingly, when he could have stopped it, he broke the curse. He told us that he had authority to lay his life down and authority to pick it up again. And so when he rose on the third day, he defeated death. And death has no power over us because Jesus, the chosen, the Savior, has the power of life and resurrection. And this is not hypothetical. He proved it when he rose in his own body, met his disciples, ate with them, prayed with them, walked with them, and talked to them. No matter what happens here, Jesus saves. Let's move to the next part of the focal passage. I'm going to read from 28 through 35. So Simeon took him, the baby Jesus, up in his arms, praised God and said, Now, Master, you can dismiss your servant in peace as you promised, for my eyes have seen your salvation. You have prepared it in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and glory to your people Israel. His father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him? And Simeon blessed them and told his mother Mary, Indeed, this child is destined to cause the fall and rise of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be opposed. 35, uh, and a sword will pierce your own soul, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. My audience is milling about here, so I'm... (laughs) All right, Amy. Simeon knew the scripture. So when when Simeon took the baby in his arms and he's saying, my eyes have seen your salvation. He prepared it in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and glory to your people Israel. Simeon knew what he was talking about. He's thinking about the prophecies. He speaks of the destiny of this child. He knows this is the Messiah and he knows the prophecy. He knows that God's Messiah would come to turn the world upside down. And so what does he say? He's destined to cause the fall and rise of many. This is our principle. Jesus came to turn the world upside down. And the world needed to be turned upside down. And it still needs it. He's not done yet. Think about it. God, good, perfect, righteous, and just, created a world, a beautiful world. He created humanity to live in it and demonstrate his glory. And what happened? We rebelled. A rebellion is always against something. Rebellion is not really creative in and of itself, it's, it's acting against something else. And we, we Americans kind of have a we have a soft spot for rebellion. We kind of like rebellion, actually. We think of it almost as inherently good. Um, in our one of our favorite movies is Star Wars, right? Who are the good guys? They're the rebels. Of course. Why? Because our nation was born from rebellion against unjust rule. So we look at it and we say, rebellion against tyranny is a good thing. But let me, th- let me ask you to think about this. What if the rebellion is against perfection? Against perfect love? Against perfect justice? Against perfect beauty? Because that's God. Then we get a world of hate and violence a world of corruption and exploitation, and a world of unmitigated ugliness. And that is what our rebellion against God has brought. This is the world that Jesus came to turn upside down. And how did he come to do it? Did he address our violence with overwhelming violence? No. No, he came to allow the violence to kill even himself, to reach its logical conclusion and take Even God Himself to death. By doing this, He defeated violence. So Jesus came to turn the world upside down. I would ask you, what needs to be turned upside down in your life? Do you have struggles with relationships? Do you need to reconcile with someone? Do you know that Jesus paid for your sin and the other person's sins? Did you know that he paid to reconcile you, the rebel, with God, the good king? So leave your pride aside. Seek reconciliation as one that's grateful for forgiveness. Do you struggle with illness? Some of us do. Jesus promised to make all things new. He healed while he was here. As I've been reading, I've been reading in my daily reading in Luke, and Jesus is healing over and over again. He heals in Mark. He heals in all the Gospels, and he promises to heal all at the end of time. He will heal everything, but he still heals today. Do you believe him? Do you struggle with money? Guess what? Jesus has all the money. He promises to provide for our needs. Do you struggle with sin? Well, you're in good company. Keep struggling. Fight it. Hate it. Look to Jesus who has promised us the strength to resist and set us free from the power of sin. These are the things that Jesus promises to turn upside down. He's going to turn the world upside down, but he also will turn our lives upside down, but in a good way. Finally, this this last little passage about Anna, the prophetess. I'll read it quickly. There was also a prophetess, Anna. A daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher, she was well along in years, having lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, and was a widow for 84 years. She did not leave the temple, serving God night and day with fasting and prayers. At that moment, she came up and began to thank God and to speak about him to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. Wow. So she's in the temple and she sees Simeon pick up the baby and pronounce this blessing, this prophecy over him. And at that very moment, she came up and began to thank God and to speak about Him. What has she been doing for the last 84 years? Praying, fasting, and praying in the temple. She sounds lonely. She doesn't have a husband. It doesn't sound like she has a family. But does she sound unhappy? She's serving God. That's what it says. And I, I would say that We often underestimate the importance of of things like this, of fasting and praying, because we think we have to be busy doing something, some visible activity. But Anna's role, fasting and praying in the temple, was honored by God. And And he allowed her to see the baby Jesus too. And what was her response? When she saw Jesus, what did she do? She began to thank God. And to speak about him to all who are looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. And that is our job, right? Our job is to tell. Tell everyone about Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, God saves, the chosen one, the one dedicated to save. So let's follow Anna. Faithful and humble Anna, she prayed, she testified, she told others what the promise was and that the promise had come and been kept. She told people, I've seen the baby. I've seen the one who has been promised. Can you tell people that? Can you tell people that I've seen the one Weston gave us a challenge today? In this time of of uncertainty and doubt and fear, we have an opportunity to bring confidence and say, you know, no matter what happens, we have a Savior that's stronger than all of it. We don't have to fear death. the the scariest literally the scariest thing we don't have to fear it because our savior has the power over death so this passage in Luke emphasizes to us these three things Jesus is dedicated to save and chosen to rescue he is the one he came to turn the world upside down and he will turn upside down too to fix us and our job is to praise God and tell others and we know Uh, And this this verse fits right, in. we know this verse by heart, many of us. John 3, 16 tells us, For God loved the world in this way. He gave his one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. And verse 17, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. There it is right there in John 17. The purpose that Jesus came was to save Jesus, God saves. We always want to have a time of response, and I I would invite you in our time of response to think about these things. Uh, If you're you're anxious, go to God and ask him. If if you're struggling with something, go and ask him. Ask him to turn you upside down. Ask him to bring you comfort. Um, And we normally, when we're in person... We would invite you to step forward and come up to the front. If you would want to talk to Kevin or to me, we would invite you to do that. Um, I would invite you to do that today. If you if you have something that you want to talk about or pray about, you could you could reach out to Kevin or to me. You can start through Facebook. If you're on Facebook, you're you know how to reach us. Um, so so please, I want you to feel welcome to do that. And I want to say a brief closing prayer before we close. Father, we thank you for your word, but more we thank you for your son Jesus who came to save us. We thank you that he fulfilled the law that we couldn't fulfill. We thank you that he was perfectly obedient while we were rebellious. We thank you that he lived a perfect life and earned his righteousness, but then turned around and gave it to us and offers it to us freely. And Father, all you ask is that we would believe you that we would trust you. Father, I pray that you turn hearts today. And if there are some who do not understand, who do not know you, who do not trust you, I pray, Father, that you'll turn their hearts to you, that you'll clarify to them. You're not asking for a code of behavior. You're not asking for everyone to get right before they can come to you. You're asking them to come. And you'll turn them upside down. You'll make them right. You'll clean us up, Father. I pray I pray for the people who can hear me today. And Father, I pray for your blessings on our country, for peace. I pray for healing. I pray, Father, that you be with us in this time. In Jesus' name, amen.